it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. Every single thing that I read when I was researching this person was like, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. So um, I'm very excited to introduce the lovely Jules White. Hi, Jules. Hi, Tricia. How nice to be on your show. Thank you for having me. That's a huge pleasure. And you are the founder of Live It, Love It, Sell It. Say that quickly, like a tongue twister. Live It, Love It, Sell It. And I'm not going to say any more about you because it'd be much more sensible for you to introduce yourself. Oh, that's great. So yeah, Live It, Love It, Sell It. Isn't that fabulous, Tricia? (laughs) (laughs) I I have a sales consultancy, which I started in 2017. So we are just over two years old now, which is amazing. I have no idea where that's gone. But I basically help people to fall in love with sales. And that's my my line. If anyone's heard me before or met me, that's exactly what I say every time. Because I really am passionate about helping people to love sales because there's huge fear around it. Um, So I kind of thought I'd done sales for 30 plus years. It was what I truly knew. It was in my blood Uh, I loved it. I was successful at it. So why didn't I go into the world as someone to help people with sales? But I absolutely knew, Tricia, that I didn't want to do sales the way I had been taught to sell because that was horrific. Um, And I also know that that's still the way some people are being taught how to sell. So I created my own methodology, which is called, guess what? (laughs) Live it, love it, sell it. Sell it. Yeah. Oh, it's, (laughs) and you know, um, the listeners, I I can see them going ping, 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 ping now, because this, as you so rightly said, time and time again, I'm working with clients who that's on their top three things that they want to sort out. (sighs) But I don't like selling. Oh, I hate promoting myself. It feels so pushy. And you know, and I know, Uh, partly from my point of view because I am that person as well and I suspect you are too um that there's there's another way and when you find that other way it is like opening a door into a lovely place and so we're gonna pick up some good tips from you on this podcast so um I the trouble is actually there's too much to talk about let me let me just say for a start this the TEDx talk that you did has to be it's actually obligatory listening to all the people listening to this podcast. If you haven't heard Chauncey's TEDx talk, which is called uh, There Is No Such Word As Can't, then please do that as your homework. Um, and <laughs> on every level, you must watch it, partly as a great example of how to make a talk work, you know, how to make it engage people, but also the content, the message is it's just you'll love it. Um, and she, she, Jules has written a book, Live It, Love It, Sell It, and uh, has a podcast. It's a podcast called The Same Thing. 
Well, I called the podcast The Human Conversation because one of my big things about sales is we need to just make it a human conversation, you see. So I thought, well, rather than everything be live it, love it, sell it, and I'm sure a marketeer would slap my wrist and say, yes, <laughs> but it needs to follow your brand. Um, I just felt like The Human Conversation was, was a really cool name for my podcast. Yeah. Um, however, I think if you actually look it up, because uh, I think we're Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, SoundCloud, you can find it under live it, love it, sell it. It will come okay. up. Yeah. Okay. Well, nice is interconnected world. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's all your homework sorted. Listening, <laughs> um, but, but so at the, the heart of all this obviously is a story because all of us, I and mean, it's really interesting that you say that you're a couple of years in to building this particular business of yours, having had previous business, but I think that's a really interesting sort of, point in a business growth where we sort of wake up one morning and think oh this this is maybe beginning to make sense <laughs> um, um, but equally you can get two years in and start feeling drowned overwhelmed like your voice is being suffocated and all the rest of it so it's the, it's those tipping points that you're constantly coming across during this business growth which are really interesting so just give us a little taster which is easier said than done of your how you how you ended up doing this okay um that's really great question trisha and you know i'm going to say this i always wonder where to start because you think well do you start where you leave school at 16 (laughs) years old and you know you go and work and you you're hardly um hardly an adult to be honest but that's what i did i didn't study i wasn't studious so i left all at 16 so I went to work to earn money and when I think back I was probably quite entrepreneurial back then just for the way I was and how I thought my dad who features heavily in my whole story as you know having heard my TEDx talk my dad was an entrepreneur he ran a a sweet shop and news agents and I grew up watching him serve his customers sell beautifully create relationships So I always knew I was probably going to be a bit like dad. Um, So having left school early and worked and and actually grown my career earlier than most because I'd started so young, I met my second husband. So I've skipped the first one. He was lovely, but he didn't last very long. I met my second husband and ended up working in his company with him. Um, Having sold everything to anyone, imagine anything, I have probably sold it. That was my career. So when I um, was with Richard in his business, I was then in a very entrepreneurial business. I was, in essence, I was running my own business, even though it was his. That's how it felt. So I was getting a taste for what that was like. Then I had my son, my beautiful son, Sam. So he's now, imagine, he's now 14, nearly 15. When he was born, I turned to hubby and I said to him, I don't want to work with you anymore in your business. <laughs> Boom. Um, actually, I want to be a mum. I've fallen in love with this beautiful boy. However, three months on, I suddenly realized I needed to work because I was absolutely an entrepreneur. Um, and whilst I loved Sam, it was like, oh my goodness, how can I be with Sam and still work? You know, that was my absolute driver. So I thought, well, I'll start a business. I mean, how mad is that? So I started a business. Pretty mad. Pretty mad. 
Pretty mad. Yes, most people have told me many times that I am mad, Trisha. So I thought, well, what could I do? So I had done years ago and summers. So there's the little secret. It's out there now. <laughs> um, it's only between us, all of us who listen to this podcast. Um, but Anne Summers was a party plan business huge. model. It and huge. it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was early 20s. I was working full time, running an Anne Summers business, running managers, running a team, earning money, great money. I thought, well, I know this party plan model. Who's doing it? Selling baby products. Oh, my goodness. Nobody. And I was absolutely blown away. I thought, how can this be? There's like 700,000 babies were born in 2005 when Sam was born. And nobody's doing a party plan baby products part, you know, um, company. So I thought, I'll start one. So I did. I started Truly Madly Baby. And I thought, I can then recruit mums like me who actually want to work but still want to be with their babies. And it's just the perfect environment. And Truly Madly Baby was born. Um, and then I guess, do you want me to carry on with the story? Well, it, it, <laughs> to be honest, this is already incredibly rich. And interestingly, actually, I, I had a party plan business for a while, but we'll talk about that after the, uh, after the interview. Um, but, so I, I'm even more intrigued now with, your, with everything about you. So, but um, this, yeah, there was this extraordinary part of the adventure that's uh, about to unfold where only a few only a very short time after setting this up, you find yourself in my Sunday night guilty pleasure location, which <laughs> is Dragon's Den. Oh, do tell us a little bit about the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this one, Trisha. It's kind of the story of my life, I think, where I just sort of see something and I go, oh, that looks good, I'll do that. And then I kind of think nothing of it. We'd watch the very first series of Dragon's Den so that was when it was absolutely brand new it was brilliant brilliant viewing these entrepreneurs squirming in front of these rich dragons it was absolutely hilarious and we just adored it and of course this popped up on my computer this little advert saying we're looking for applicants for Dragon's Den it was like seven in the morning I'm in my dressing gown I've just fed Sam you know he's like five months old I thought oh I'm gonna apply for this this is gonna be fabulous and actually I'd forgotten I think how much it, I'd watched these guys squirm because I was then gonna be one of those guys but I, you know, I totally forgot that bit Trisha so I applied and by nine o'clock that morning the BBC BBC called me up <laughs> and they said we love your business tell us more about it can you come to London to do a pitch to camera tomorrow I said yes I had no idea where Sam was going to go no idea how I was going to get there but I said yes and then within two weeks I was stood in front of the five dragons filming dragons then <laughs> two weeks Trisha <laughs> Uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I share the crazy gene. So um, I, I remember the first time I wrote um, a one-woman play, um, I booked the venue way... Well, I hadn't written the play, that's what I'm saying. I booked the venue. And so, um, you know, it wasn't that far in advance either. So um, I do understand that uh, enthusiasm. That's what I call it. <laughs> yes, I like that. Um, and, and of course, I mean... Actually, interestingly, you in your TEDx talk, when you did that, you, you mentioned when we were chatting before that you didn't have very long at all to prepare it. And so the same situation in a way. And yeah. you, 
you um you gave a little insight on that on tedx on the on the not having long ah yes so i think that for me it's very much about the fact that if i have less time it's actually much more authentic and it is genuinely my story um and i know tedx was was that way and I know that when I was stood on stage, I was just literally telling my story from my heart. You know, there wasn't any script to that. Mm. Yes, I'd rehearsed it a few times in terms of perhaps the order I was going to tell the story. But the story I told was my story mm. on that day, which would be slightly different on, on another day because you mm. would remember different things about mm. it. Um, Dragon's Den was just the same when you think I had two weeks. So it was about me going in and gushing about this amazing business I had, which I thought was going to be marvellous. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and exactly what um, attracted Peter Jones and another dragon because they were fighting over you, which must be absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. Oh, my gosh. Um, now, as it transpires, and of course, that is an entire other podcast episode, listeners. So, you know, get tune in in a year's time and we'll do the whole Dragon's Den story um, and the whole TEDx story. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, it didn't transpire quite as it, one might have thought it would. This happened, that happened, the other thing happened, and then something else happened. And all along with the whole kind of business story, because the business was brilliant. I mean, that was, you knew that was working, um, mm. but it was the other stuff that kind of got out of control and you were, as you say, a victim of your own success. And this, this is a thing that can happen. Um, and then life happens, doesn't it? Does yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of a couple of less than brilliant things then happen to you in your own in your own story, um, which you can just really briefly share. But I don't want you to. I don't. I don't want to make one of the listeners cry. But no, that, no. <laughs> the point being that these are very very real human things, and this is life, isn't it? Yeah, this is life, and I think that's quite an important thing to say. Um, I, I want to mention another TEDx in a minute because I, I watched one last night and it really struck a chord, which is connected to this, this that we're talking about. But yeah, what, I guess what happened really was ultimately I ran the business for three years. It was a great success, lost it for various reasons. And at the point I lost the business, I really did lose everything. So um, I had a bankruptcy, sadly, because there was no other options for me. Um, I also then had a miscarriage, even though I thought perhaps I was going to have some time to have another baby. That didn't work out. Then my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and in 2009, my husband decided he'd had enough as well. And he went. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I love the fact that you're able to laugh after that, after yeah. that list. That is it. But you know, this is it, isn't it? It's it. This is this is life. And you know, and and obviously, bless your mum, and you know, and and wow, um, extraordinary circumstances. But, um, but you, this is the the lesson I think that we all uh, live through is that you have, and this is the one of the key messages of your, well, is the key message of your TEDx talk actually, isn't it about choices yes yes and um, the message is really around whatever happens to you in life you actually have a choice how you deal with it so yes there are really horrific things uh, I can't imagine some of the things that some people go through genuinely however you still have a choice 
at the end of the day what you do with that. It may take you much longer, but ultimately you can choose. And the lady who, uh, I will probably have to look it up for you, Tricia. I'll put it in the um, show notes, yeah. Yeah, um, but her name's Holly, and I need to find her surname for you. Now, she has an amazing TEDx talk. You'd love it. Your listeners would love it. But the message in her talk, which I listened to last night, was, was this. We can choose to be a victim of what happens to us. And then what happens is actually we stay in that place. And we never really move forward. And it's an unhappy place. Um, and what she talks about, and she had a horrible story, what happened to her. What she talks about is actually moving on and becoming happy after these things happen. And her talk's phenomenal. So I would really recommend that. And I think it, it links in beautifully with my talk because I was listening to it thinking mm. this is exactly the same message, although she was really good, I thought. We always have a choice what we decide to do, however hard it feels. And we might need help to make that choice as well. Sometimes we can't just do it on our own, you know? No, absolutely not. And, um, you know, I uh, self-disclosure, um, I, 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 I'm on husband number three. <laughs> Um, I'm waiting for him to do it. He hasn't turned up yet. <laughs> um, and obviously, there's much more to that story, listeners. So don't don't judge me. Um, but you know, it's, it's uh, and um, yeah, and stuff. You know, I've had stuff. Not, nothing quite at the level of your your story. But it, if in our worlds, things you know things happen, and. I could definitely be a sort of flattened version of myself at this point in time had I not made various choices. Um, uh, yes, you do. It is really lovely if you have people around you to, to support you in those journeys and choices. But ultimately, you are the boss. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. <sighs> and that karma, you know, your, your mum saying to you, we're <laughs> the biggest... I won't say the word storm uh, was going on in your world. The, the lovely calm of your mum to say karma will prevail is just gorgeous. And I'm, my, yeah, I'm sure you have that message in your head quite often. My mum was a real character. So she was kind of the quiet one. She was a very strong one, but she was the quiet one. My dad, when he walked in the room, everybody knew my dad was in the room, you know. He was, he was awesome, but, you know, charismatic, loud, funny. Um, but my mum was just as su superb, you know, in her way. But she had this thing where she just very calmly would say, you don't need to worry about things and, and everything will be okay and you don't need to do anything. And, and it was very soothing at times and really annoying at other times, you know. <laughs> But I adored her, you know, that was the thing we clashed at times because we were very different, but I adored her and she was definitely my absolute rock going through this, this period. She really was. And you know, sometimes we don't recognise the qualities that we have. You, you, just remind, you just reminded me of a tiny little story. So my daughter now lives in the Philippines. Um, uh, fortunately, we WhatsApp a lot. Um, but when I, <laughs> when I said goodbye to her at the airport, she, uh, a couple of years ago, um, yeah, she was with a huge rucksack. There was I being brave, um, and um, I, she, she turned to me and she said, "The thing about you, Mum, that I've always loved is that you're so calm." 
And I could, honestly, I could have been knocked over with a feather because I thought, me? <laughs> You're talking about me? I'm this kind of actor woman who's all sort of, you know, hands all over the place and, you know, quite... She meant it. She really meant it. I turned around to her and said, and the thing about you I've always admired is your bravery. And we, and she didn't get that either. So we had both just given each other the gift of objective, whatever. And, and sort of, and I went away thinking, I suppose, yeah, when I'm helping other people, actually, yes, I am calm. And I, that's a little tip, I think, for people, isn't it? To, to, to get to seek some of that objective um, value affirmation. I made that up, Jules. That I like it. I like it. I, I, you had me. I was there. <laughs> I think, again, there's no question we could exchange stories like till, you know, the, the cows come home and say, um, now let's see, what else? Let's see, what else can we talk about? Um, so this sales malarkey thing, um, which is, I think, something, as I say, resonation city out there. <sighs> Any... Um, I need to, I need to use an expression, but I'm going to say it. I am going to say top tips. I'm going to say top it. tips. <laughs> Do you know, it's really funny, isn't it, when, when we say that? But it kind of, it, that's what we want. We want yep. top tips, don't we, at the end yep. of the day? Um, I think for me, sales is um, a really interesting thing that's so, so much simpler than people realize it is. And that's why I've always positioned it as it's actually a human conversation. The big thing about sales when I coach people is to bring them right back to who they are, who they are, their personality, their uniqueness, which is the most adorable thing in humans that I see, um, and actually why they're doing what they're doing. So, and that's, and that's what we sell. We sell us and, and our why. We don't script. We don't push. We don't convince. We just be, okay? When you just be and then you connect with a person that's your ideal client who really needs what you have and they just be, you connect. And that's what I call the human connection. Yes, 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 yes. And you actually talk about UHP. I do. I've just created that. Do you like it, Trisha? I love it. I love it and I'm stealing it. That's the only reason I'm doing this podcast, Jules. The whole thing is all about me stealing everybody else's <laughs> thing. Um, so I'm having that one. That's in my, in my No, seriously. I mean, we are incredibly aligned in, in, in what we're, our sort of energy that we're putting out into the world. Um, but tell me, go on, in case anybody hasn't worked out what it stands for. Yeah, so um, I mean, back in the 1940s, would you believe, we coined a phrase, unique selling proposition, a USP. And anyone had that horrific sales training that I had, always were told, we need to make sure everyone knows what our USP is, because that differentiates <laughs> us from everybody else. And of course, back in the day when we didn't have internet, the USPs would be, we've been going for 30 years. And it would be things like, we have the best widget on the planet. Yes. And of course, they were USPs. Yes. But today, if you say that, it's almost just ridiculous because I don't care. You know, and genuinely, and I don't mean that nastily, I'm not a horrible person, but I'm just being a little bit sarcastic because there is so much noise out there. There's so many people can get so much information before they even come to buy from you. They're so much more educated. The 
how what's the best way that we can connect mm. so then we brought into play the uvp so the unique value proposition mm -hmm. so now this is getting better right because yeah, yeah. i'm all about value so this is about making sure that people understand what is the value you give me as opposed to what you sell me as a widget or however long you've been trading nice i like it i use value i definitely like it but i was still thinking there was more i still felt there was more and i kept thinking it's all about people it's all about people we're all different there is not another trisha on the planet <laughs> right and there's not another jewels now some people would say thank goodness when i say that yes, but, sure, but yeah. the point is that we are absolutely and utterly yeah. unique so therefore what's the biggest selling proposition we have it's us it's us our own uniqueness our own human personality and people by people so uhp is unique human proposition um, and i've trademarked it now because i'm going to use it i've created it <laughs> oh well, that's it we might as well wrap this well up. you can use it trisha because <laughs> you're special <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I I oh, I love it! I love it! I love it! And do you know what? The, the, this there was a previous episode, a couple of episodes um, ago on my podcast. I think it's uh, maybe episode ten. Ben Kapper um, was chatting to me, and that one of the one of the big messages that came out of our talk, and he's a marketing kind of a guy, was this: you know, only you have your story. Only you have your story. And it's amazing how quickly we forget that. It's exactly. it blinking obvious things, undisputable. Indisputable. It is undisputable. Anyway, one of those. Yeah, it is completely. Yeah. So, so you know, let's flip this on its head. How yeah. are we taught to sell? We're told we're told we need is a script, aren't we? We're told we need to say this, 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 and this. How does that possibly make us different from anyone else if we're using a script? You know, and and I understand, and the people have come back at me and they said, yes, but. It's easy for you to say, mm -hmm. you, you know what to mm -hmm. say. We have known what to say since we were born, Patricia. Mm -hmm. We have been able to get ourselves fed, have our nappies changed, communicate, make friends, make boyfriends, go on dates. And you see all of these wonderful subconscious skills we have are the skills that we need to use when we sell. So we already know how to sell. I love that. I love that. Yeah, we already know. What we've done is brought it from subconscious to conscious. It's now a thing. It's yep. called sales. Yep. <gasps> yep. Now we have fear because yep. of that word. Yep. And that's usually based on how we've been sold to by the bad sales people. Yep. Um, and so consequently, how are we even um, able to be just ourselves? Because it's all in such a horrible, overwhelming place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> when you said about uh, making boyfriends, I had an image of, you know, Play-Doh and actually making <laughs> boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, I think I might resort to that, Trisha. <laughs> I think that's probably what I resorted to as well. Um, so uh, I, this is, uh, this is too, I knew this would happen. I'm just looking at my, uh, my scribbled notes now and just make sure that we haven't, um, missed out anything well of course we've missed out loads of stuff but i mean you'll have to come back that's for certain <laughs> and um i 
those are that, that is that is an absolute i was having this conversation only this morning um as an actor i've just done a i've just done a piece and i was having a debrief with my director and we were talking about this whole thing of of sales and and the fear and all the rest of it and how okay we want to put this production out to various other theatres but we want to do it in a very classy way be very picky about where we go and we don't want to do big long tours because I'm running a business as well um, and we realized that oh this is good we don't have to sell it what's going to happen is we're going to end up having some conversations with people at some stage you've got this really interesting venue and then they know somebody who's got it and then they're going to and then they're going to say oh my gosh I really love the sound of that play oh please let's have it um and that's how it's going to work um they're going to want it yeah absolutely I mean I came up with something the other day I keep coming up with these things and I need to make it into (laughs) one of these quotes you know in there have all these wonderful quotes don't they and I said to, um, to a client I was with, don't sell what you've got. Find out why your client wants it. You know, and that's it really, isn't it? Surely in a nutshell, that's it. It's all about the client, customer, whatever you want to call them. But it's all about them. The sales journey, in my mind, has to be their journey, not your journey. And you need to nurture them. And it has to be in their, at their pace. Um, you see, you can tell that Jules's TED talk is going to be good um, because <laughs> she's the kind of podcast interviewee who even manages to wrap up an interview with a quote. <laughs> oh, that's that's impressive. It's like that last minute in a TED talk, isn't it? And now I'm rounding it up with this big idea. Um, okay, that we, we have to round it up. But, but what I want people to know, I've ju- I've just literally thrown all these things out. Uh, is there a is there a central point they can go to that, that where they can then get all these books and podcasts? And Yeah, I mean, my website's probably the best. And obviously, it's liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. Um, but really, I've tried to use Live It, Love It, Sell It with everything. So that's the book, the Facebook group, um, the website. My speaker web, website as well is the same. So, yeah, Live It, Love It, Sell It. That's it, isn't it? And, and I'll obviously put all this in, in the show notes. And I, I yeah, please, listeners, go um, investigate Jules more. Yes! Take action. Try this one small step. How about some brainstorming? How about brainstorming your UHP, unique human proposition? And brainstorming what it is that you've got that other people would like to have. In other words, you don't actually have to push it on them. It's something they're going to want. Brainstorm those two things. Everything starts with a good brainstorm. A lot of fascinating stuff. You might need some show notes. So head over to trishalewis.com forward slash make it real podcast to download those and subscribe because then you'll know when the next episode is available. I give you permission to go out and be real and enjoy it. Look forward to the next episode.